Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all, when I asked John if I could preach today, my last Sunday at St. Michael's, I promise you I did not know that the gospel text was all about Jesus saying goodbye and how he would not leave you abandoned or orphaned. (laughs) But here we are. Here we are on this day that I've known has been coming for a while, but I never could have imagined looking uh, like this. (laughs) Me, at home, preaching through your phone screens and laptop screens and air playing on your TVs. I never could have imagined things would work out this way, and neither really could the disciples have imagined what exactly Jesus was getting at in our gospel lesson today. Our text comes from the farewell discourse, this long conversation that Jesus has with his disciples over the last supper. So this line where he says, in a little while, the world will not see me, but you will see me. Jesus is likely referencing both his death by crucifixion and his ascension to the Father after his resurrection. He is speaking to the disciples about a parting, a parting that will be painful as they watch him die, and a parting that will be hopeful after his resurrection. In the words of the musical Hamilton, Jesus is teaching the disciples how to say goodbye. And to equip them for saying goodbye, he makes a promise. I will not leave you orphaned. Because I live, you also will live. So actually, there are no goodbyes with God. That's what Jesus is teaching because Jesus lives. Even when we can't see Jesus, we live. And so in today's unprecedented moment when we are huddled under a pandemic and all the anxiety and the pain and the loss that this pandemic has wrought, and also in this last moment where I get to stand here as your family minister, and talk with you about God, I want to focus on this promise that Jesus makes. We will never, ever be abandoned by God. And because God lives, we are invited into abundant life, extravagant, profligate, beautiful life that is not bound by the grave. In short, I want to tell you that resurrection is real. 
because Jesus walks right out of that tomb on Easter morning because God created the world not out of need but out of want. God wants life for you even and especially when we face death. I heard a lot of jokes <laughs> back in Lent that we were in the Lentiest Lent that ever Lented because we had to give up so much. But I would also posit that we are still, even now, in the Easteriest Easter that has ever Eastered. Because when Jesus walked out of that tomb on that Easter morning, the powers that killed him were still in power. Really, those powers still are in power. There are forces of oppression in this world, and there are still Pontius Pilots, and they still stand to lose everything when the love of God confronts their castles made of dust. Resurrection threatens everything that would kill us. And the reason I want to leave you with this word of resurrection is because resurrection is probably the craziest thing we believe in as Christians. Because when we are in the valley of the shadow of death, when we are lonely, when we feel like everything around us is crumbling, the idea that God is with us, that there is life after this pain, it feels laughable, even cruel. And so I want to tell you about a time when I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, a time when I wondered if God had, in fact, abandoned me. Seven years ago, in the thick heat of mid-July, I got a phone call from my father. He made sure first that Jonathan, my now husband, was with me, and then he told me to sit down. And then he told me that my Aunt Stacy and my Uncle Chris and my cousin Megan and my cousin Connor had all died in a horrible, horrible accident while on their family vacation. There are no words for this kind of loss. I could tell you how I couldn't really breathe for almost a year afterwards, how doctor after doctor treated my asthma, which turned into walking pneumonia, but nothing really worked because I just hadn't caught my breath since I'd heard those devastating words my father never wanted to say. There are just no words, no words for this kind of loss. And the weeks that followed that phone call with my father were some of the most brutal of my life. By the time we got to the burial and I dutifully took my place at the top of the receiving line, I felt numb and sad and disconnected and completely unable to be present to the hundreds of people who were there because they loved us and they loved my family and so I felt guilty that I couldn't show up for them. So I braced myself 
and ready to shake hands and say thank you. When, out of nowhere, I felt a hand curl around the back of my elbow and before I could even fully turn around, I heard my brother Tom's voice in my ear and he said, Lizzie, you need to come outside. And I tensed up and he continued, because I have found a litter of kittens. Y'all, I cannot emphasize how quickly I moved to follow my brother outside, army crawling under some bushes, even in our funeral best, to find a little parting in the underbrush where sat a mama cat feeding her little weeks old babies. And y'all look, <laughs> a mostly feral cat and her kittens, it's not exactly a heavenly host descending and wiping away every tear and making it all better. <laughs> but for me, in that moment, it was enough. It was enough. God will never, ever leave us orphaned. God will never, ever leave us orphaned. The world may not see God, but we can if we look. Because sometimes, often, resurrection happens in the most unexpected, the lowliest, the grubbiest places. Resurrection is life everlasting, yes. And resurrection happens every time we choose to keep living. Resurrection happens in small, ridiculous ways, <laughs> like seeing a kitten at a funeral and somehow trusting that for everything that slices you open, somehow a bleeding heart might be more open to the pain of others. Resurrection happens in huge ways. In the simple basements and parish halls of churches, every time we admit our powerlessness over ourselves, over substances. Resurrection happens in those heart-pounding moments when we make ourselves vulnerable to our children or our parents or our spouses and say, I am sorry. How do I make reparation for what I have done? Resurrection happens when those in power lay that power down because we realize the king of heaven was executed as a criminal and then came back and said, I still love you. Love like I love. Love your friends for each and every one of you are my friend. Resurrection happens every time we realize we are not made to live in expectation of death. We are made to live in expectation of life abundant. Resurrection does not mean we live free of pain. Resurrection, after all, only comes after death. Richard Rohr says to believe in the resurrection is to trust in dying. 
This doesn't mean that we glorify death or that we say losing people is easy or even that we say every death is part of God's plan because, y'all, God does not need angels in heaven because God has no needs. God wants to be with us. And so right now, in this moment of pandemic, I think trusting in dying is to trust that dying means death is not final. We trust that in the the end of all things, there is no pain or grief, but life eternal. And so right now, right now, God wants life for you and with you. So when things are hard, my friends, just keep living. That is resistance enough. That is joy enough. Just keep living. Life is worth the living because Jesus lives. So my beloved St. Michael's family, thank you. Thank you for two beautiful years of abundant life. Thank you for raising me up to be a priest in God's church. Thank you for humbling me, for molding me, for loving me, and for being beloved children of God. Amen.